And now uh, for episode two of the Climate Change Report. Uh, this is a new series we're producing on our show um, that talks about everything related to climate change. Last week, we talked about an introduction and gave a little um, briefing on what is the differences between climate change and uh, global warming. And you can find that entire interview that we had with Donald McLennan um, on the Facebook page, uh, CKUT's The Morning After Lendemain de Vey Facebook page, or on CKUT's SignCloud. Today, on episode two, we are going to be talking about carbon footprint. As you know, this segment is a collaboration with uh, Divest McGill, and Divest McGill is a group here at McGill who is trying to div uh, urge McGill to divest from fossil fuels. Fossil fuels are defined by a natural fuel such as coal or gas formed in the geological past from the remains of living organisms. So these are non-renewable uh, um, non energy sources, so they are quickly depleting and um, becoming more and more expensive worldwide. Uh, these fossil fuels can be burned with oxygen to provide heat, electricity, and motive power, and they currently supply 90% of all energy consumed by industrial developed countries around the world. Um, when these fossil fuels are burned, it produces carbon dioxide, only no, also known as CO2. And as mentioned in episode one, CO2 is an important greenhouse gas that is in direct relation to the heating of the planet and to the disastrous effects of climate change. Um, today, when we're discussing carbon footprint, uh, carbon footprint, is, as defined by Encyclopedia Britannica, is the amount of carbon dioxide emissions associated with all activities of a person or other entity. So there can be a carbon footprint for uh, an individual, a person uh, like you or me, or by a building, a corporation, or a country. Each uh, faction has a different type of test for, uh, for associated to them. So if you're a building, you'll have a different type of test than if you're an individual or a corporation. Um, the carbon footprint mostly focuses on carbon emissions, but it also takes into, uh, into consideration other greenhouse gases, such as methane, which we also discussed in episode one. Methane can, can although why, the reason why they focus on carbon, however, is that the burning of carbon is... Um, can be stopped quite easily, not easily, but it can be stopped and, and controlled and reduced, whereas methane emissions are, occur more naturally. We talked about methane bombs last week, so that is a bit harder to control. So that's why they focus on carbon uh, dioxide, because with these uh, with focusing on carbon dioxide, we can work to reduce or control carbon emissions. Um, the carbon foot uh, footprint test actually derived from the idea produced by a Canadian ecologist named William Rees, uh, and his test was initially called the ecological footprint. The ecological footprint calculates um, by area, so it says how much area we would need uh, in order to sustain our lifestyles. So say, they would say how many planets you would need to sustain uh, your life's uh, uh, the Earth's lifestyles if everyone lived as that individual. So say it would take me, I did, I did the test uh, the other night, and it would take me 2.1 planets to sustain. If, every, if everyone on Earth lived like me, we would need 2,000 planets, 2.1 planets, <laughs> 2,000 planets, no, uh, 2.1 planets, which is quite a lot, um, but lower than the average, which is 3.58. Um, 
so the average for Ontario people. yeah the average point Ontario Ontarians true so uh, Americans is higher we're actually going to go into a few stats for that a bit later but basically uh, the test that I did and the test that I'm making Olivia and Rebecca do right now to discuss our results later um, tells us both the carbon footprint as well as the ecological footprint so it'll tell us the amount uh, the metric tons of carbon used so that's how carbon footprint is me- measured by metric ton and uh, then ecological footprint is measured by planets. Um, on average, human use about 50% more resources than the Earth can replenish each year. So we would need 1.5 Earths to sustain the human race. And just to put that into perspective, we would need 1.5 Earths, but some of the richest countries, Qatar, you would need five times more resources than it's actually replenishable by the earth currently. Uh, uh, Kuwait would need 22 times more resources than the country provides. Denmark would need 2.5 more land to sustain everybody in their country. And if everyone lived like an American, all resources would be depleted in three months. So that just goes to show if the most developed countries need three to five planets to sustain themselves, but the average is 1.5, you can see that there are many, many, many people living in extreme poverty where they are not even, they don't even need one planet to stay in their lifestyle. So that's just to put things into perspective. Um, many countries are trying to reduce their carbon footprints. Um, several countries are taking to effect a carbon tax. So, so uh, Alberta is in the process of into implementing one. BC has one. BC has one. Thank you, Rebecca. <laughs> You're welcome. So these, uh, Alberta is currently implementing their carbon tax, which will tax on everything to any, anything that produces carbon. So if you're a small business, they, they t- tax small businesses as much because that's harder to sustain. But uh, if you're a larger corporation using um, carbon to produce your, your goods, so uh, grains, bread will be taxed a lot. Uh, if you use, you'll be taxed a lot more if you are using a fuel-powered vehicle. Just there is a tax on anything associated to carbon emissions. And if you... Um, are, you can get tax rebates if you use certain facilities that are do not uh, use as much carbon emissions. So if you take public transport, you'll get a tax rebate and several other things. And with this tax, um, they're going to take that money and put it towards more uh, environmentally friendly projects. So uh, greener infrastructure, such as solar panels and wind turbines and uh, hydroelectricity. And they will also put it towards... Um, just uh, public transit, uh, re, re, um, re, revamping their public transit system, yeah. Um, that's countries, though. So that's what countries are doing. That's what co- uh, corporations are doing, states are doing, provinces are doing. But as individuals, you can uh, control your par- carbon footprint uh, as well. I mentioned a test just a few minutes ago that I'm currently making Rebecca and Olivia did doing Uh, that I'm currently making Rebecca and Olivia do, and a test that I did last night, and that was uh, a test on footprintnetwork.org, which allows you to um, calculate your footprint based on your lifestyle. So it takes into consideration your um, living situation, so how many rooms in your apartment, how many people in your apartment. It takes into consideration the type of electricity you use, um, what type of transport you use. Do you use public transit? Do you walk? Do you bike? Do you take your car? It takes into consideration how much you travel each year, um, and it takes into consideration your diet as well. It, meat eaters tend to consume a lot more carbon because the meat industry produces a lot more carbon 
versus uh, vegetarians or vegans. Um, in the same effect, uh, packaged and processed food loses a lot more carbon emissions, uh, produces a lot more carbon emissions than uh, fresh produce grown locally, sourced locally. Um, so all these things are taken to effect. You can see it on the website in the test. Uh, and at the end of the test, they give you your results and they tell you how many planets you would need to sustain. And they also give you a few specific ta- uh, stats on what areas you consume most carbon in, um, produce most carbon in, and then uh, they give you tips and tricks on how to reduce your current carbon footprint. Um, so we're going to actually talk a little bit now. We're going to compare everyone's results. So as I said uh, just a minute ago, I got my test results, and for me it was 2.1 planets um, if everyone lived like me. Um uh, in Ontario, the average is 3.58. Um, so I'm well below average, but I still saw that and was like, I, I was even, I walked into the studio this morning and told Rebecca and Olivia, I was like, I think I have to redo it. Like, there must be something there wrong. There must be some mistake. There must be some mistake. I can't be consuming that much um, because just think of it that people, somebody would need two planets if everyone lived like, I just, and I thought I was pretty ecologically friendly. You're pretty decadent. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm pretty decadent. <laughs> um, so, you guys, what did you get? What, you, what were your results? I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Zoe. Let us talk about our public shame here on the radio. <laughs> well, um, yeah, so I think, Olivia, you did better than me, right? Like, by uh, a bit. Yeah, a little bit. I have uh, two planet Earths. Two planet Earths. And Rebecca? I got 3.9. <laughs> but there's a reason. I what is your reason? I swear I'm not that bad. Okay, you guys are from here yes so you stay around here like when you're on christmas holidays you're just kind of chilling you know okay but i'm from toronto guys i'm so sorry but i am (laughs) i'm here for school uh which means that you know five or six times a year i I go back i see the fam i stay for a bit which means i need to get there and that's where the big problem is it really shows what a luxury it is to be able to travel the way we do here in canada and you know just in this day and age so you know i fly home my dad's a pilot sometimes i get sweet ticket deals or i take the train home but it means that i produce about 22 tons of co2 every year so sorry guys you would need 3.9 planets if everyone traveled home as much as i did yeah. <laughs> and what about you? What was your biggest um, um My section? biggest is food and services. They look pretty pretty tied. Yeah. I mean, it was food, mobility, and services are all pretty um, equal. Um, but as I said before, I think I messed up on the car section because <laughs> I don't actually own a car, but they were saying how much time do you spend in a, your car, and I, I just took into consideration other people's cars. Um so I don't know. I don't know. I Yeah, I mean that's fair though. If you're riding in other people's cars, you gotta own part of that. I guess so. <laughs> like, I, I don't have a car here either, but I know when I go home, you know, I drive, I visit friends and stuff. I'm surprised that Olivier only took up two planets. He's the one here that owns Yeah, the car. you own a car. Well, I mean, you know, if we, if we want to, like, you know, parse all the words and all that and say, like, if you're riding in a car that's not yours, then it doesn't count. Technically, I don't own it because I lease it. So... <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but I, I mean, think there should be an opus section where we yeah. can show that we're good <laughs> transit users. Yeah. So if you want to hear it in tons, I produce 8.6 tons of CO2 every year, and it takes 4.4 global hectares of the Earth's productive area. Oh, that's interesting. It's it's Sorry, I just realized when you said it that we don't have the same ratio, because oh. I take about 
three times as much CO2 as you, but less than half, or sorry, less than double in terms of global hectares. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Um, down to food habits or it yeah, says I here it like i i need five units of energy land sorry it's just measured on this bar graph here i yeah. sorry, six units of energy land but i i only take one of cropland okay yeah like what, what's your percentage uh well that's just i mean my percentage is based on my use but i'm at 71.8 percent in terms of energy land okay yeah i'm at 52.6 yeah yeah so. So yeah, it, it breaks it down into energy land, cropland, uh, grazing land, forest land, built upland, so cities, and fishing land grounds. So based on your answers, it tells you what type of land you are producing most carbon uh, on and what type of lands are least benefited from your existence. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want the breakdown, energy land got 52.6, crops 30.9. Uh, grazing, 5.9, because I don't eat a lot of meat. Forest, 8.8. Uh, Built-up land, 0.8. And I guess that's because I don't own a car. And then fishing grounds, 1%, because I just don't eat a lot of fish. Mm. Um, what about you guys? What is your breakdowns? Um, for me, uh, I need 4.3 global hectares of Earth's productive area. And um, so for people who don't know, one hectare is about 10,000 square meters. Okay. So, oh, so, so yeah, so cool. you have an idea how big that is. Wow. Um, and then so 10 kilometers, pretty much 10 squared, 100 kilometers squared. <laughs> I'm really bad at math. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with yes, Rebecca. Um, yeah. So I need seven point. I have uh, 7.2 tons of CO2. And then the energy land is 45.4% crop 25.4 grazing 13 Point eight forest twelve point four built up is zero point nine. I think that's the uh, our housing based on, oh, okay, on the questions. Yeah. And we all live in apartments. Yeah, so, so in that sense, we don't uh, take that much space. Um, yeah. And then fishing grounds two point one percent. Okay, mm. cool. Um, yeah, and to take this into consideration, we're saying ours allied here, but we're all students who live in apartments. Lots of us live in cohabitation situations. Yeah. So automatically, we consume a lot less. I know, Rebecca, you travel a lot, but just think of somebody who lives in a house and owns a car. Two and cars has, in one house, you know, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With, yeah two the, cars, one house. Um, the other big thing for us is we all live in the city. So yeah. it's easy for us to access public transit and, and also, bike a lot. Yeah, too. and walk and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah, so we are on the lower half we're on the lower side of these yeah um, just imagine business people that yeah. travel more than or if you just live you know. in the suburbs if you have to drive yeah exactly if you spend an hour each way every day in traffic mm-hmm. you know, and it's really like our mobility is such a luxury the way that we yeah. can just yeah. point it somewhere on the map and go there it's really a luxury and the thing is you gotta remember like when taking these tests it's like don't be like uh, don't think you're a bad person if you score really high, Rebecca. I'm looking at you. <laughs> Says Zoe, two point one. It's just based on your situation. They will give you suggestions if you if you have to drive a lot every day. They will give you suggestions on how to reduce it in other ways. It's not. It's it's also the society we live in. Like it's constructed. It's not constructed in a way that you can just live for one planet. At least in unless you really, really, really restrict yourself and really just walk everywhere every day and wake up an hour early. It's just developed worlds didn't were not built with this in mind. And what you're trying to do right now is to reduce your lifestyle as much as you can in a, in a construct, in a world that did not have ecological footprints or ecological um, um, considerations, considerations really. in mind when being built. So it is difficult. And 
what we need to try and do is like in the developing countries now, most of them are following in the footsteps of the developed, already developed world. They want to do carbon emissions. They want to do the same things. Whereas we have an opportunity, they have an opportunity there to completely build their cities in a new way um, and try to have much smaller carbon footprints. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about this a, a bit in some of my politics classes about how there's, we put this onus on developing nations to be more eco-friendly than we are or as eco-friendly as we are. But we forget that to industrialize really requires you to plunder all your natural resources and start creating yeah. and yeah. you know you, you almost can't afford to do these each ecological considerations so we just i don't know it's kind of an unfair burden that we put on others that we don't hold ourselves to yeah now that we've done it for 100 years we can turn around and wag our finger at the others yeah like no 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 yeah um so yeah that is um our episode this week on carbon footprint um if you guys want to check out your footprint and get tips and tricks on how to reduce your footprint uh go to footprintnetwork.org that's uh footprintnetwork.org um next week we're going to be talking to some people who have probably some of the lowest uh carbon footprints you can have in a developed world and those are people who tr are trying to live a zero waste lifestyle so they try to throw out zero garbage every year eat locally sourced meats and um not travel in any type of car that is producing emissions um so we'll be talking to we'll be talking about uh how this movement has arisen in uh, today's world and how what, we'll be interviewing a few people who are actually att attempting or currently living a zero waste lifestyle. So that's the episode for this week. 